0: Hello and welcome to the Record Celtic Podcast. I'm Liam Bryce and today I'm joined by Craig Swan and our special guest Celtic legend Chris Sutton to discuss all the latest from Parkhead and of course throughout Scottish football during this shutdown. Uh, But first of all, just to draw your attention, if you want to get all the latest Celtic news sent straight to your inbox every day, you can sign up to our new Celtic newsletter. Uh, We cover every morsel of information regarding Celtic in the form of articles, videos and podcasts all on our website. Uh, The newsletter will arrive at 12pm every day, giving you a roundup of the best stories that we've covered in the last 24 hours. To sign up, simply enter your email address at dailyrecord.co.uk forward slash newsletters. First of all, Chris, uh, special guest on the Record Celtic podcast today. Thank you very much for joining us um, and to you, Swanee, as well, as usual. Uh, no football. Um not a ball kicked in Scotland for almost going on two months now. Um but as usual there's been no shortage of talking points. Uh we've got the EGM um on the Rangers resolution going ahead um, we're waiting to find out kind of what's gonna happen with that. And obviously all clubs in Scotland, including Celtic, are gonna vote on that. Um but I just Chris, if we can come to you first, you know, what are you? what is your kind of Perspective um, on how this is how this has panned out so far, just, you know, and what? How do you think Celtic will be
1: viewing this? I think Celtic will be keeping their to dry, won't they? Uh, oh, I mean, it's just you know, it's it's got so messy and, and ugly now. There's going to be a lot of. bad Bad feeling. Um, I, look, I can't see the you know Rangers getting the getting the uh, you know the numbers which they need. You know they may get a fair bit of support where that leaves them and, and the SPFL. Then uh, you know who knows what we do know. The nature of Scottish football is this thing is going to rumble on and, on and on and on and there'll be you know people blaming each other for this that and the other for for years to come and. You will be writing about it. It's lovely, isn't it?
0: <laughs> well, it certainly kept us. It certainly kept us going through these kind of footballless times. Uh, I think, you know, Swanee, whatever way you you sort of swing on whether an investigation is needed or not, I think what's kind of you can't really dispute at the moment is that it's it's creating. There's been divides created, positions taken, almost sort of battle lines drawn, at a time where you know the game here. Should maybe be in need of
2: pulling together. How do you see a way past that? Yeah, I mean, I, I would, I would tend to agree with what Chris said, Liam. You know, I, I think that when the, you know, everybody will find out the the result of the vote and the, the exact numbers and and who voted for what. And I don't think that's. I think it's fanciful to think that that is all of a sudden going to be the end of it. We get a decision and that's the end and everybody moves on. As Chris said, that just isn't going to happen. I just, I just think that. I've, I've been quite Alarmed in, in, in recent days And weeks Yes we have There's been a lot Of battling going on There's been a lot Of arguing People are arguing Their cases rightly or wrongly. And there seems to be This perception That you know oh, Scottish football Is such a mess And everybody's Looking at it As the world over And everyone's laughing At Scottish football Because look at the state They're in Fighting I think every country Is exactly the same Liam I'm, I mean Decisions were taken In France For example To To end their championship And just like in Scotland The teams that have been wronged The two teams that were getting relegated from Ligue 1 Amiens and Toulouse They're both going to, guess what, legal action Against the French League And (laughs) other guys are fighting because They now want the league to be 22 next season Rather than 20 The same as what we were talking about, reconstruction You know, Lyon are threatening legal action They want the head of the French Football Federation They want no Legat sacked I mean, it's just it's it's the same in other countries. There's legal actions being talked about in Holland everywhere. So we should remember it's not just us. There's going to be divisions and infighting in many countries. But you know, for for us in Scotland in particular, yeah, Chris is right. It's going to rumble. It's not. It doesn't end. It doesn't end with this vote. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. And Chris,
0: you know, just touching on what Swanee was saying there about how this may be perceived elsewhere. Obviously, you kind of split a lot of your time between football down south and football in Scotland. What are the what kind of perceptions have you been getting from people down south as to what is going on up here, if any at all? Uh,
1: well, you know, I'm I'm in isolation in Norfolk, so uh, so so not a great deal. Uh, <laughs> but you know, the the English league, uh, you know, I've got they've got their own problems you know it's not just all about the premier leagues there'll be decisions it looks like uh, will need to be taken on league one and and league two the championship one is a really interesting one whether they're going to carry on or, or not it looks like the premier league down south uh, there is a will um from the clubs to carry on because of the importance of the of the tv money um the the issue today seems to have been that the the biggest obstacle uh, at the moment seems to be that some of the players we've seen Raheem Sterling talk today. I saw Danny Rose was quoted last night. You know, they uh, are are saying and quite rightly so that, you know, at this moment in time, you know, we're not going to go back to play unless, you know, you can, you, you can guarantee not just our safety, but the safety of, you know, other players and the staff of the club and clubs, uh, and I get that, um, you know, the other wranglings which have gone on are, are, are wranglings about the neutral venues. Um, but, you know, when you strip everything back, it's the same as Scotland. And, and, and Swanee's quite right on that in that there is so much self-interest, um, mm-hmm. you know, and I get that. I understand that. But, you know, you've got um, you've got the Brighton and and, and Watford uh, chief executives who are saying that you, you know about sporting integrity and we can't play at neutral grounds, but then uh, you know, on, on the flip side of that, they're saying that we you know that we uh, we will play at neutral grounds if you guarantee us Premier League safety. The FA now have, have taken that off the table. Um, you know, there's not going to be a, a null and void, either they're going to play the season to a finish or there's going to be. Uh, 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 looks like a points per game scenario, and I actually think that uh, you know that that was that was good that the FA stepped in, and, uh, and and there will be a decision made, or there will have to be an outcome. Uh, you know, either way, null and void. You know, was never an option for me as we're so far through the season.
0: Mm-hmm. And he touched on the the kind of self interest between you know clubs that's kind of run through this whole. Um, debate and all these developments. You know, when it kind of, you know, comes a time after this EGM has has been and passed, and we have a kind of decision either way that you think clubs are maybe going to have to start looking a bit more at working together if Scottish footballs will pull through this crisis. But how do you think, with all these, can, all that has gone on, how do we start to do that, Chris? How do these clubs start to come together after all this? Sorry, I'll
2: answer that one for you. It's never going to happen. It's never happened. In, it's never happened in a hundred years, and it's not going to happen in the next hundred years. Move on, Liam. I
1: think, I think that that's right. You, you know, uh, I just I been
0: mean, idealistic.
1: <laughs> it's yeah. just never going to happen. No, you know, but the, you know, it's okay being a fantasist. I don't, I don't mind that. Um, look, I mean. <laughs> By the I, way, I don't, I don't blame the yeah. clubs for this, Chris. I don't
2: blame the clubs for looking out for themselves. If you're a director or a chief executive or a shareholder of a club, your job is to look out for yourself. It's fanciful to think that everyone's going to do it for the greater good. It's not going to happen.
1: Yeah, but on the uh, you know on the sort of uh, you know on the Rangers position and you know they're obviously extremely aggravated at the moment. You know the and the. These are all hypotheticals, but you know, if they were thirteen points clear at the top, would they be taking the stance which they are taking? And and and, and what's the desired outcome at this moment in time? They're not going to. They're not going to go back and uh, you know and vote again, you know, on the leagues. It just looks like as you know, it's Doncaster's head which they want on a platter.
0: Yeah, I mean, Rangers' the, like managing director Stuart Robertson, he was quite insistent, you know, it's nothing to do with Celtic, it's nothing to do with the title, but in, but in Glasgow is it, always about, is it always about one or the other, in one way or another?
1: Well, that's whether you believe him or not. Um, you know, I, I, I certainly don't. It's, it's the fact that, you know, and the bottom line, if I was a player, uh, you know, and, and Rangers were 13 points clear, um, you know, ahead at this moment in time, you just have to accept it. They've made a rip-roaring ass of things. I mean, you know, that's that's the bottom line since since the turn of the year, and uh, and they only have themselves to blame for that. So while they can look around and point fingers and say, well, you know, it's the SPFL's fault. You know, Neil Doncaster didn't switch up, uh, switch off from a corner, or you know, Neil Doncaster didn't miss chance after chance. Neil Doncaster didn't defend badly. Um, you know, it, it's more about problems on the pitch, and you know they're trying to apportion blame elsewhere. And you know, maybe they'll get the way, this, that, and the other. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sticking up to the SPL here at all. I'm just saying, you know, the bottom line is, would, would there, you know, be this, this whole uh, hurrah if, uh, if Rangers were were 13 points clear at the top? And we know the answer. Let's not kid ourselves.
2: <laughs> Do
0: you agree with that, Swanee?
2: Well, I mean, it's, it's listen, it's, it goes the same for Hearts, it goes the same for Partick Thistle, it goes the same for, you know, Falkirk have got their aggravations, it goes the same for Stranra, there's the ones that goes down, as I spoke about in France, it's the same, it's the, teams that have got a perceived injustice, a perceived wrong are the ones who, 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 are, who are the ones who are most aggravated, I mean, I even heard it in England this morning, I think it was the Charlton manager, Lee Boyer, said if... You know, if the season's called and we get sent down on a points-per-game basis, it will be a scandal and an injustice. Well, surprise, surprise, Charlton a third bottom. Yeah. You know, and then you're, you're listening to the Shrewsbury captain. They can't get promotion. They can't get relegated. And he actually came out and said, we're we in a good position. We can have a balanced view of this. That, 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 that's nail-on-the-head stuff. Mm-hmm. Do, do, you can have a more balanced view on it if you are... Not in a position where you feel as though you're going to be down. The Rangers won. I don't think technically, if you compare them with Hearts or you know Partick Thistle, Rangers are probably going to end the season where they are just now. I don't think they were going to. I don't think they were certainly not going to be caught for a second, and I don't think they were going to be able to catch Celtic. So you don't think they,
1: so? You don't think Aberdeen and, and are you riding Aberdeen and Motherwell off?
2: I'll write them off for second, Chris, yes. I don't, I don't, I don't think they will get into second place.
1: But uh, Rangers
2: obviously have their reasons. They, 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 they'll, they'll have their own reasons why they're doing what they're doing. Chris has articulated what he, what he believes them to be. There may be other reasons. Listen, I don't, think, I don't think Rangers are alone in not thinking the SPL is run very well. And Chris touched on that as well. That There are, there are a lot of people out there who don't think it's being run properly. It just yeah. seems to be at this time the people who are making the most noise are the ones with the most to lose. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. You know what, the issue, I mean, this is, you know, self-interest down south, and I touched on it, you know, you, you, you've got, you know, Brighton and Watford with, with this uh, sporting integrity, and, you know, it's just not fair on us. If, if Brighton and Watford were, at this moment in time, asked to vote on whether uh, Norwich, Villa and Bournemouth, the, th- the, the, the teams in the bottom three um you know should go down and their safety would be guaranteed. <laughs> Which way do you think they'd vote?
2: Send them down.
1: Well of course they would wouldn't they? Yeah of so, course you know, they would they're yeah. banging on about sporting integrity now and you know how unfair it all is but you know the, the, the bottom line is is you know we, we we can all see through what they're trying to do,
2: can't yeah. we?
1: Yeah. I think
0: as well um just coming on to I think well this you know Furore over the EGM and the SPFL. I think we're kind of it's been almost put on the back burner that the the Premiership is still being left in complete limbo now. Um, almost you know kind of weeks after the the lower leagues um, were ended. Obviously we're coming up to that deadline soon that UEFA set uh, for clubs to decide what's going to happen with their leagues. Um, so now do we think that if the once the EGM, I mean I'm not for one minute, thinking that that's all going to go away after today. But once there's been a decision either way on the SPFL, do we think now we're now getting closer to a decision finally being made
2: on the Premiership title after today? I think we touched on this two or three weeks ago on the podcast, Liam, that when UEFA set the date or you know the kind of deadline for when they would like some clarification on each country's decision for being May 25, we said at the time... There was no reason for the Scottish Premiership to go any earlier than that. Um, you know, they've they, they, they've got their idea, they've got their original plan in place from the resolution. But ultimately, there was there's no need to to, to rush it. UEFA are going to ask everybody on May twenty five, and I, I suspect that will be the date when things start to happen all across Europe, not just Scotland.
0: Mm-hmm. And Chris, you know, you've been quite strong on UEFA and this in the past. Um know, I? In, t- in terms of the. Mm the the scottish premiership uh, title, titled you know you think that after may
1: 25th it will be declared over yeah not been, I've not been strong i mean you, you know i just you know i i you know what i've said is i don't think that, that null and void was an option mm-hmm. uh, you know and if i was a player i i you know i would i would feel the same um um but you know in in the position now i think that that, that they will call it you know you just have to, you know, strip everything back. You know, the Scottish football, uh, you know, a lot of clubs aren't going to be, you know, they may go to the wall anyway. But, you know, the fact no supporters in the grounds and we don't know the effect that that's going to have, uh, you know, on next season going further forward. And, you know, we're just hoping we can get ourselves in a position where there is. Some sort of change. At the moment, there is no light at the end of, uh, you know, of of the tunnel. But because of the importance of the revenue to Scottish clubs, with the, uh, you know, the paying punter, there's, uh, you know, it's going to cost clubs to put games on. Clubs who don't have an extortionate uh, amount of money, and it's the same as in League One and League Two in England. So, uh, you know, the sensible decision has to be taken. The the importance of survival of clubs surviving. Uh, is is paramount, and, and that you know my view on that won't change.
2: I think there's an interesting facet to this UEFA thing as well, uh, Liam, in the sense that UEFA are clearly looking to draw up plans. And, and listen, nobody can be blamed for putting tentative plans in in, in place just in mm. case things happen. But the, you know, the May 25 deadline almost seemed from them to be like, OK, we need to know which clubs we can ha- we're going to have in each of our respective European competitions mm-hmm. so that we can start to draw up the plan to get them started. But to me, that just seems somewhat fanciful given the situation in various countries is so different. Mm-hmm. And, you know if, if you're looking at you know the, the, the Westminster government saying this week that there is now going to be a 14-day quarantine on people coming into the United Kingdom, yeah. How is an away team supposed to come and play a European tie in the UK? It's you know, not. It's what basically... happens if things happen in Germany and it speeds up again? Mm-hmm. Do UEFA seriously expect Rangers to fly to Leverkusen and then sit in a, in a hotel in an airport for 14 days before they can play a second leg? You know, there's so many things going on around the world at the moment that mm-hmm. you, I think the European competition angle is, a, is, is quite, you know, it's obviously a serious one for UEFA but obviously for our clubs and in Scotland, who are, are going to qualify. Celtic, obviously, um, probably going to the Champions League, Of 99.9% being the Champions League, but what sort of format the Champions League going to be? Are they going to be able to have four qualifying rounds? Three? Two? Are they going to
1: change the groups? I think they've got a lot of problems ahead. Yeah, uh, they, yeah but they, you know, just, they, I mean, what they need to do, they're trying to buy time, aren't they? I mean, you know, ideally, you'd want all the league's in sync but that clearly can't be the, the case because different organisations have have made different decisions like the french like the dutch you know it looks like you know in scotland it'll be called but then you you know you're getting the the german and the english uh, leagues where there's a, a, a massive will to uh, because of the you know uh, financial aspect to uh, to play the seasons
0: um, to a finish,
1: but you know there Absolutely. are clearly going to be problems ahead with European competition.
0: Yeah, I think even the latest one was that they might try. I mean, these kind of different scenarios and plans to seem to drop out of the sky every every few days or so. Um, I think one of the latest ones that they could is that they could condense the qualifying process for next season um, into fewer rounds, uh, which would obviously mean presumably having fewer teams involved. Uh, you think that would have some sort of implication for Celtic if that did go ahead. But as you say, Swanee,
2: is, is, it even, is that even feasible? I mean, it's so difficult. There are so many uh, branches to this as well. I mean, I'm quite sure. The situation where, where supporters can't get any stadiums, you know, that's, that's massive revenue for, for Celtic on European nights, big European nights, or the hospitality. I mean, that's for every home game, I suppose. Um, fans can't get into stadiums. If you're drawing a a two-legged tie against a team in a country who fans are allowed into stadiums, is that fair? I mean, I may be nitpicking here, but it's just so... It's so imbalanced across all the countries. Mm -hmm. You know, some countries are going to get back quicker than others. I just think... I I just feel as though UEFA have been pushing and pushing and pushing. As I say, I don't think there's anything wrong with putting plans in, in place. But almost at the start of this, when it all kicked off, and, and the situation was that it's more serious in Italy and Spain. UEFA are putting dates out on when they can play Champions League finals and things like that. It's almost felt as though they are just pushing to get their competitions done. Mm-hmm. I think they care a lot more about that than the domestic leagues. You know, the, the domestic leagues individually. I think the big, the big cash cows are their
1: two main tournaments. Are what is what really drives them.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's, all,
1: it's all about the money, isn't it? I mean, that you know, as yes, we can strip it back and talk about. Sporting integrity and honour, this, that, and the other, but you know, for for the big leagues, the impact on you know Premier League clubs not getting the the millions of of, of pounds will have a catastrophic uh, effect.
0: And as well, you know, the the money from the the European competitions that was something that had been, you know, a great bonus for for Celtic over these past few years. Um, as well, I mean, would that be quite a blow for Celtic after you know we've got no European competition going forward? Um, and they're missing out on that money as well,
1: of course. It would, I mean, you know, this whole uh scenario, um, you know, with COVID 19, it's going to impact all industry, it's going to but it's going to hit football, uh, you know, well, football's going to be no different, it's going to hit football hard, and in terms of you know, transfer budgets, um. You know, player budgets going forward, then you know something will have to give. You know, we're talking about Celtic at the, at the you know the, the the top end of Scottish football, uh, uh, but right, right, you know, you filter it all the way down. Uh, clubs at all levels will be affected by this, mm-hmm. and that's
2: probably because Liam as well. You know. The the UEFA and the the European competitions, they're these huge cash pots which are generated by huge television revenues of television companies. Television companies are taking a hit just now in lack of subscriptions. Okay, they might get them back. Huge sponsors, you know, the various names that we see when it comes to half-time and the the billboards come up and the adverts are done and all that. How are their businesses affected? Are they going to be able to put, if they put hundred million into UEFA's pot every year. Say it's only thirty million they can afford to put in a beer company or a tire company or something like that. You know, it's gonna it's gonna take a wee while I think for it all to kind of filter down and we actually find out how much it's going to affect. But I think Chris is right. Yeah. It can't it can't not have an effect. Yeah. Anytime you turn the television on, there's another tranche of industry, whether it's the airline business or you know, PO ferries yesterday saying that eleven hundred jobs, you know, everywhere you look. Business is affected, so it's got to affect football in some way. I mean, this
1: this is the sad thing about this whole, uh, you know, scenario in Scotland is is you know there are far bigger issues, um, you know, than this Rangers investigation, you know, and that's you know clubs club survival is the most important thing, and and we're not sort of concentrating on what we should be concentrating on.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I said it's just been. I think it's been branded a, a distraction in a lot of quarters. And it is kind of, it's like, I think the, the analogy I keep hearing people use is uh, rearranging the deck tiers on the Titanic. Um, so that's what kind of what I alluded to earlier on, with is there the need to, to put this aside and, you know, try and bring clubs together. Um, because, you know, there's not going to be, you know, money not coming in from the main revenue streams, um, but as we say, you know, it just doesn't look, well, of you are particularly strong that it's just the clubs just aren't going to come together on it. Um, but if we could just uh, move on just to, you know, Celtic in particular, you know, football, we don't know when, but it's going to, it will restart at some point. We' um, I mean, we just what kind of think about the actual, you know, the Celtic players and the squad? You know, in today's record, we had a story on the back page uh, that the club was set to ask the foreign players to return to Scotland. Preparing for the season to restart because obviously we've got that two-week quarantine period coming in. I think certainly in Scotland um, it'll only be after June 10th at the earliest. I think that players would be able to train together. Uh, just for you know, for you, Chris, and I think there's been a, there seems to be been a lot more discussion on this down in England um, because their plans for restart are seemingly a bit further forward. Uh, if you were still a player, would you be happy getting back on the pitch? in these current circumstances just now?
1: Yeah, well, I touched on uh, Raheem Sterling today and uh, and Danny Rose um, yesterday. I, I'm sort of with them and, and what they say. I, I would want certain guarantees. I, I would want to feel safe. I, I would want my, um, you, you know, to feel safe. Um, you know, we, we sort of have to follow what we're being told and government guidelines. Um unfortunately for football from football's point of view um football can't do social distancing so you know that leaves football with a massive problem we all want the, you know everybody wants the game to come back as soon as possible um but there there does seem to be or you know this is pretty plain to say but there's always going to be a risk element with the with the nature of the close contact which uh, which which football has so I would want you know as, as many guarantees as, uh, as as possible where I felt logically I could go back into a working environment uh, and more importantly uh, that my family was you know perfectly safe or as safe as they can be.
0: And there was a, I think when the issue of league reconstruction was on the agenda in Scotland, there was certainly a, a kind of sense from the. PFA Scotland that players felt that they were ignored on that issue but is this issue in terms of getting back on the pitch is this one that the authorities
1: absolutely must really closely consult with the players on? I didn't really get why players should be involved in in reconstruction you know I know players play but it's none of their business really you let the powers which which be get on with that Um, this is a totally different scenario isn't it the, you know the players are the most important uh, you know aspect in all this as are the you know, as are the staff and you know referees and, and and what have you so you know we need to get to a stage where you know nobody nobody knows where we're going to be in a month's time but testing is the most important thing and and this is going to be i think the biggest thing uh, you know for all, not just Scottish football but for all of football really is, you know, players will need to be regularly tested, but somehow Scottish football is going to have to, to find the funds. And I think down in England, just these last, you know, if the, if the remaining games are played out, I saw a figure of just under £5 million, which, you know, is, is an you know, I don't have to say it, is an absolute fortune uh, anyway. But in Scottish football, you know, how is Scot? You know, how is Scottish football going to get back on tracks? Testing seems to be a, a you know a crucial part of that. So Scottish football is going to have to generate and find funds from somewhere.
0: Mm-hmm. I think
2: yeah. you have done that before, Swanny, didn't you? Yeah, and I think that ASFA um, vice chairman Mike Mulvany spoke about this a couple of weeks ago. He said it's. You know, when he when he talked about the models in different countries and just looking at how different countries can assess things, Scottish football obviously has its own business model. That's that that's just corporate speak for we don't we don't work with the same amount of money that they work with in these countries. And you know that that's to get. I mean, Chris is using those figures there to talk about. I think it's nine games. Is that right? Yeah, Chris, yeah. To get finished. I mean, it could be a lot more games than that. If you know, if if if. if If the virus doesn't go away, and we've all got our fingers crossed that it it goes away, and or or we can find something to help to to help get rid of it, vaccine or something like that, but that's just a figure based on nine games. It's kind of I don't see how you could start a new football season without knowing when it's going to go away and go right. It's going to be five million quid every nine round of games. Yeah, because you might get to Christmas. So what happens when the money runs out for testing kits? You say I oh, we just have to stop the league after twelve games and then we have the same arguments we had this year? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who wins it? I mean, you can't it can't go on indefinitely, and I just don't think Scottish football has the money to fund it. I think that there would have to could, be a big could change the government in what they, help out
1: there, Swanee? they could, but
2: you then have to ask the question: do government have more important things to be Absolutely. putting their money into than yeah. sport? Yeah. You know, we've talked about how the NHS was not really adequately prepared. They didn't have the right amounts of PPE. There's various other sectors. of, but You know, it's OK for us. We love football. We love sport. You know, but I'm quite sure there's theatres and cinemas and have gone, well, we need money. We need money to get restarted. I'm not yeah. sure government would be able to look in the mirror if they handed football X, no matter how important it is to the country. And the SPFL were quick to put their figures out, but every sport have done that, haven't they? we bring X amount to the economy so we should get this, we bring this and everybody's playing the same game but I really think that government funds unfortunately for us sport lovers but fortunately for the rest of the world have got more important things to be spending money on than testing kits for football teams.
0: Yeah I think there's been a suggestion as well that certainly in Scotland we are a wee bit behind on testing as well, not just, I don't mean just football, I just mean generally across the country. So, I, I mean, how do well, we I get... I can
1: tell you, Liam, uh, 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 I mean, you, it must be pretty
0: awful up there if you're behind us down here on <laughs> testing. I know, I know. Um, I said that's a... We could have a whole, a whole podcast on that ourselves. Uh, but,
1: but, Liam, this is a problem.
2: It's such a difficult thing. I mean, myself and Chris don't have the first clue about medicine. Neither do you. Science, none, none of us have a clue. No, that's and, a bit harsh. OK. But you can be <laughs> you can be sure you can put 42 football club chief executives and directors and they've the same amount of clue about it as us. Uh
1: They've
2: got none. So it's going very, very, very difficult for them to make plans going forward. They can try their best, but really, you've got to feel so sorry for them because it's out of their hands. And I know from speaking to other sports on the same boat, they've got ideas about when they can come back and they want to do this and they're thinking of this and we can can organise race meetings by doing it this way and we can have darts tournaments by doing this. At the end of the day, if the, if the if the government and the science and that it doesn't allow it, then I'm afraid the hands are tied.
0: You just can't yeah. do it. Mm-hmm. In terms of as well, you know, we I touched on with you there, Chris. That you know, would you feel safe getting back to playing at this current time? I just kind of you don't hear. We don't really hear a lot. We obviously footballers are isolating the same way as the rest of us. But I mean, how how different would it be now? You know, being part of a a top football club, um, well, they can kind of advances and you know, sort of sports science, log fitness, all the different ways of communicating with players. How different do you think it would have been, uh, being in lockdown as a footballer, um, back during your career as to how it would, how it is now for the field? <laughs> back 15 year
1: yeah, years just, ago? I'm just gonna <laughs> back with the, that, back <laughs> 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 I the back. record, I didn't see <laughs> way didn't back in the 1950s, Liam. <laughs> Jesus, honestly. No, it wasn't it really, it, really, it really wasn't that long um, ago. No,
0: I just mean you know, all that you've got Zoom calls, you've got all of this, you've got oh, all <laughs> that. Well
1: we could yeah, we had telephones. Actually mobile phones were around. Come
2: on, know. granddad, get on it. Me. Yeah.
1: Oh. I mean that's incredible. I mean there's something... With, with the greatest respect, I don't think that, you know, that sports science has, uh, you know, has, has has come on that much and times have, have changed that much. You know, it's, uh, you know, I mean, what was it, 20, 20 years, 20 years ago? Well, less than 20 years ago. So, uh, yeah, it's a tough one to answer that.
0: I'm mean, in mean, no offense, brother.
1: No, it didn't sound that way. You, you, you carry on. Uh, Skype calls in black and white uh, (laughs) (laughs) What was the question?
2: I can't even (laughs) remember (laughs) now Would you be able to train at home in lockdown having had 10 pints the night before?
1: That was the question (laughs) Um, It it, it, it would have been the same, wouldn't it? I mean, you, you know, players... Uh, just like everybody in society has a has a responsibility to adhere to, uh, you know, to the rules. But um, <laughs> yeah, just going back to to Swanee enjoying that moment. You know, we did, we did used to train. I used to train on my family holidays, and mm-hmm. then um, you know to to get fit for the the start of the season because you know you have a personal pride about you, and I'm, I'm sure that not not just Celtic players but all footballers uh, across the country you know are, are aware of the importance of other you know you take john hartson out of the equation but are aware of the importance of fitness and uh, and and you know looking after yourselves and and doing the right things and staying fit um you know when you're out of season because you know it's you, you go back in it's a competitive game you you're in a situation where you, where you're you're fighting against other players for places in the team mm-hmm. and uh you know it's It's dog-eat-dog, isn't it? Which is why, you know, you you have to stay on top of things. You know, and even now, I'm absolutely sure about it. I'm sure that managers of clubs will be monitoring, um, you you know, players and staff at clubs about, you know, what level of fitness are they at. See on a serious note, sorry. On a serious note,
2: um, would it be easier, in some respects, for some of the younger footballers these days, in the sense that, it's kind of changed even in 20 years where footballers are a lot more insular now, a lot of them. They kind of go to training, they get in their cars, they go home, they lock themselves away and, you know, there isn't really the same kind of connective bond that there could be back maybe. When you guys played, you would maybe have two or three days out during the week or whatever, or you would socialise or whatever or do something like that. Do you think it might even be easier for them because they're into regimes? And I don't... I, I
1: sort of, you know, I mean, I'm... I'm being so sort of gently insulted on the pod, aren't I, really? Uh, I mean, we didn't... Can I just point out that, you know, three days a week after training, we didn't just go, uh, you know, into Glasgow, into the pubs and have all-day sessions, if that was sort of the, uh, you know, the, the point you're making. We're a no. professional lot, Swanee. No.
0: <laughs> I mean, no, mean, just
1: because just young players are all on their Xboxes these days, uh, you know... And what have you but no I sort I to take your point to it to an extent but um you know about about socializing but you know that's that's something you'd have to ask you know the the players you know of today I, I actually thought that that was a, a big part of you know why why um, at that particular time our Celtics team were successful in the fact that you know we we bonded well but you know, first and foremost, it's it's like in any job. You want to uh, achieve the highest level of, of the, you know of of the job which you're in and perform at the highest level. So therefore, you know you you think about doing the right things, and, and that means you know there there is a time and a place to go out and. Uh, yeah, you shouldn't, you, Chris, uh, you
2: shouldn't you shouldn't misconstrue that for socializing as in meaning going out on drinking sessions all the time. I didn't mean that. What I meant was you could before the days of sort of camera phones and things like that it was more easier for players to maybe go out and have a bite of dinner or something after after training or something. I was never I was never get together and do take, things like
1: that. I was never bothered about people taking a picture if I was having a pizza or anything. That you know, that didn't <laughs> That didn't bother me at all. I think yeah, I I think, I think nowadays, I mean, you know, you look at players when they get off the coach and they have the you know, the head they're all got the headphones on, haven't they? This, that and the other, and they're they're trying to uh to focus. Back in the day, I, I think that most of us would have wanted a pair of headphones just to stop listening to <laughs> Neil Lennon ranting and raving about what, what we should all be doing. But there you go. In terms
0: of it, as, as well, Chris, there's this kind of period of uncertainty for footballers where, you know, they don't know when they're going to get back on the pitch again. And then obviously they're, the way that this could all play out, they could be faced with more uh, just abrupt stoppages in football where, you know, things are suspended again. Clubs might have to put their players into quarantine. What is the kind of difficulties for, I don't know, for example, you know, what would be kind of going through like a young player's mind at the moment? A guy who's just trying to to break in and kick on at an important stage in their career, and now suddenly they're faced with all this uncertainty. How how would they try and deal with that?
1: I think it's a really good question, actually, because you know we, you know, it's the same down south. All we talk about. Is uh, or most of the things we talk about are the top teams, the Premier League. You know, we're talking in Scotland. You know, it's it's, it's Celtic and Rangers. I think that further down uh, the chain, it's uh, you know, it, it, there's worrying times for a lot of players. You know, at, at, at lower levels, contracts are up. You know, are they? Are they going to be able to carry on in football? Uh, And I think, you you know, you've touched on the younger players who were coming through. I mean, a lot of young players now, their development uh, may really, really suffer, um, you you know, because of this. And, you you know, because of the nature of clubs and and there's going to have to be a lot of cost cutting. Then for a lot of, uh, of younger players, the opportunities aren't going to be there, which, of course, they're... That you know, there the have been in the past, so uh, no, it's uh, you know, all the way through football from the top, all the way through uh, you know, uh, the youth teams, uh, through the academies, uh, there, there's going to be you know, a massive impact, um, because of coronavirus.
2: And just think, you know, think, Liam, can I just go in there and just,
1: just
2: uh, on, Chris, on Chris's point there? I think that's a great point. I think going forward. For Scottish football, it's a real worry of what the COVID nineteen and the supporters not being able to get into stadiums to twenty twenty one, the cost cutting that it's going to take, mm-hmm. without no club is going to want to do it. But you cannot believe there is not going to be the odd youth academy goes by the wayside yeah. if it gets to the stage where clubs are literally living hand to mouth. Right. Unfortunately, that even if it's one area of it, you know, even if it's one age group. That could be a batch of boys lost. That could be a couple of great players from six, seven years down the line that we might have seen at 17 and 18 gone. And Mm -hmm. I think that's, you know, for all the fighting and wrangling and arguing, there's going to be kids at 13, 14, 12, 11 may get their dreams robbed, Mm not get the chance to, you know, and I think that's that's where it really starts to, when you hear all the bickering and stuff going on just now, that's when it gets quite irritating, really, when you think about how this is going to affect clubs yeah. going forward.
0: You think, you know, especially, you know, clubs as well, you know, at Celtic are no different. I think you'd imagine they'd be putting in already kind of support for young players who are, you know, not as experienced, not just in football, but just in life as well. You know, that's a kind of unprecedented situation for everybody they'd be really keeping an eye on their the younger players at this time I would imagine
1: yeah i think i think all you know football clubs there there are support um support mechanisms uh you know it, but it's, it's not just uh, the young players you know of course young players are important but i think You know, there's a big issue about mental health, uh, you know, and the effect that, uh, you know, this COVID-19 is having on mental health and, you know, and isolation, this, that and the other. It's all areas uh, of society. But uh, I I think all the way through football clubs, the support mechanisms are vitally, vitally important. But I suppose, you know, uh, Swanee's just just touched on it. Uh, the fact of the matter is, now, finance um, is so crucial, obviously, for, uh, for football clubs that even the support mechanisms, you know, may have to fall by the wayside mm-hmm. with, uh, with with what's going on at this moment in time. And just yeah. an hour, at the
0: other end of that spectrum, you know, not just the young players, there could be know, players uh, who are at the opposite end of their career. Do you think this kind of extended stoppage and then whatever comes after, it could push players towards, you know, kind of hanging up the boots a bit earlier than they'd wanted to.
1: Yeah, well, absolutely. I, I think that uh, that we're going to see the landscape change uh, in football. I think they were was, was talk, uh, uh, talking to Alex Rodman from Bristol Rovers last night. And I think he said there were 1,400 players I may have the figures wrong, but it was an extraordinary amount of players who are out of contract uh, yep. in in leagues one and league uh, in leagues one and two uh, down south. And of course, because you know, in the lower leagues, it doesn't look like football's going to be played, and it would cost clubs to put games on. I mean, it's it's going to change the landscape. So if you're a young player now, then. You know, I, I think that it's natural and not just a young player, you know, any player really, you, you're natural that you have to look at, at maybe other job prospects. That's how that's how brutal, you know, it, it, it's going to be. And, and this is the issue I have is, you know, we're always talking about Celtic and Rangers and players. At the, and of course, you know, I have sympathy for players all the way through football because their, their lives are being disrupted but it's uh, you know it's it's the player who's on 300 pounds a week who you know who has that taken away from him who has a mortgage and bills to pay you know these are the, these are the players who I really have sympathy with because you know their lives and their dreams are going to be wrecked because of the nature of uh, of what's happened and and it's hard to you know you can't sit here and point fingers at clubs because they can only spend um, you know what they have, and Scottish football is, you know, it, it, it's so important and it's so reliant on people coming through the gates and the gates revenue. I think more than any other league in Europe, I think that's that's uh, you, you know that is the case. So uh, so, so therefore something will give, and uh, and and it's going to be the players who are going to face a a heavy cost.
2: And that's the thing, Chris. If if you you know. Uh... What you're saying there about, you know, if you just take those numbers on board, 1400 players. Now, when football starts again, when it, when it gets going again, and, and, and whenever clubs are able to, and managers have been asked to scramble a squad together, just in talking for the young players, you might have a 16 or 17 year old midfield player who looks, who's come through your system and looks quite good. And then in January, because all these guys are free agents, are desperate, and they don't have any, you know, they're not contracted, they won't cost you nothing you can go and get a guy to play the same position as played 100 first-team games yeah,
1: totally. and get him on a free. Yeah.
2: What would you do if you were a manager? Having to scrabble a team together in three weeks or four weeks, yes. you would go and get the guy that's played 100 first-team games and that's stunts totally. the young player again. Do you know, I mean, naturally, I spoke
1: to Swanee about this before, uh, you know, wages are are going to have to be lowered and not just lowered, lowered dramatically for, you know, for, for football to, football clubs to survive.
0: Mm -hmm. Do you think that bubble, Chris, you know, that huge waste bubble that we'd, you know, we'd seen it just growing and growing over the, certainly over the past few years, with all the money ploughed into, you know, from TVs and into, do you think that bubble could be burst for good now?
1: I don't know about for good. I think certainly in, uh, in the next few years that has to has to take its toll. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the extraordinary wages. Uh, I mean, down, down in England, I have to say it's been an eye opener for me. Um, you know, I like to think that I, you know, k- keep across most things. But even I was surprised uh, about the reliance on uh, TV revenue. Um, you know, to, to fund players' wages. I mean, it's it's, it's extraordinary, um, you, you know, the reliance on that, um, which is which is hence why there's all this panic now for the Premier League to get back on, you know. It's uh, it's all about the money.
2: That's the one good thing Scotland has in its favour, isn't it? Mm. It's not quite so... It's not quite so weighted upon that. When, yeah. Unfortunately, we are... Unfortunately, at this moment in time, the Scottish game is weighted on a lot of it and guys coming through the turnstiles and Mm -hmm. that's where the next worry comes when that's going to be able to happen. That's all from us today. Uh, We'll be back next
0: week to discuss all the latest uh, sound and Celtic and of course in Scottish football. Uh, If you want to download the pod, the first place to get it now is on our new global player app. Uh, That's where the pod will be appearing first these days. Uh, Don't worry, you can still get it on other platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Acast. Uh, but we recommend you download the Global Player app to listen to the podcast before it's released anywhere else. Thank you for listening.